0: How many of you know someone who complains all the time? Don't point. <laughs> uh, how many of you are that person? It's interesting because as human beings, we complain about everything. The weather's not right. You know, why did it rain today? Why didn't it rain today? You know, Why isn't it warmer? Why isn't it colder? I can't believe my fast food took four minutes. I mean, it's just not right. You know, my cell it, it dropped a call again. You know, what, what else is going to happen today? This is ridiculous. Gloom. And agony on me. Whoa, you know. We live there. Complaining. We're, we're good at it. In fact, some of you think it's a spiritual gift, and you're excelling, you know. It's like, people complain. They complain about their jobs, they complain about their spouse, their, their kids, their neighbors. They complain because life's demanding, and, and it's a struggle. People uh, complain about being bored, to which I want to complain. It, it drives me crazy when people complain about being bored. I want to become my father. You know, he'd go, You're bored. Okay, son. I've got a job for you to do. You know. So here's the deal. If you're feeling a little bored, see me after the service. This is recruiting 101 for various ministries in the church. People complain. It's interesting because sometimes it's the opposite. They complain because they can't have kids. Some of you complain because you got kids. You know. It's it's a struggle. You know, we complain about our bodies, about our health, about the traffic, uh, about bad drivers. We complain about not having enough time, enough money. And people complain about people that complain. You know, And you think, what, what's the big deal? Everybody does it. We live in this culture that loves complaining. You know, if you read in the book of Job and Job, if you know what his life, he had a lot of things that he could complain about, and rightfully so. But he did what many of us do, and he says, I hate my life. I will freely express my complaints. I will speak as bitterly as I feel. In other words, I'm not going to hold back. Uh, I'm going to let it fly. And the fact is... Complaining is a decision we make every single moment of every single day. You get to decide whether you want to complain or not complain. Now, think, think about this for a moment. If, let's say you woke up this morning and you decided, you know what, I'm going to complain about things. And there are lots of things to complain about. I mean, there, there, there just are. are. And so you zero in on a couple things. And, and you let it fly. And you let everybody know, this is my complaint. This is my complaint. <clears throat> After you've complained several times, do you feel better? Do you feel more alive? Do you, do you feel at peace? I can answer that for you. No, no, no. In fact, it, it will bum you out. Complaining will deflate you. It will take you down. In fact, I believe that complaining is one of the tools of Satan. And it will steal, kill, and destroy everything in its way. We're in this series, Beautiful, we've been looking at things that, that hold us captive, that imprison us, things that we, we need to eliminate or quit in our lives, these things in the past that, that haunt us, things that I believe Satan will use to steal from us and destroy our futures. You know, God wants to turn our brokenness into something beautiful. In the scripture we've been looking at, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Friends, that's a promise from God. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Everything beautiful. Think about that for a minute. I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is working? Do you believe that God has a plan? You know, that thing that, that you struggle with, that thing that, that right now you're going, this is not good. Do you believe that God makes everything ultimately beautiful? Because what I want to do today is challenge us to, to quit complaining and, and trust God. And how do we do that? Well, I think there are two main ways. One, I believe you can quit complaining if you're able to change the external world. Now now hear me. So that circumstance that that you're complaining about, what you gotta do is get in a position where you don't have anything to complain about. And so uh, let's say you complain about your job and the hours that you work, and you don't have enough money. So those are your big complaints. Well, it's real easy. You find a job where the company says, what would you like to do? When would you like to work? And what would you like to be paid? It's simple. I mean, it's really easy. You know, maybe, maybe go, well, I need a little more than that. I need no traffic on 270. I need a spouse that will always agree with me. I need perfect kids. I need a well-functioning government. Good luck with that. Uh, I, I need a, a world where everybody thinks and acts and does what, what I like. That's it, that's it. If I could have bad, then there would be nothing to complain about. So it's really simple, change your external environment. Easy breezy, right? The other way is you have to change your internal world. You have to ask God to give you that inner uh, kind of attitude uh, of contentment, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening. And the fact is, we live in a world where there's difficulties, pain, suffering. Stuff happens, right? So how do you live with contentment and not be disingenuous? I mean, how do you do that? The the fact is, Scripture uh, tells us how people respond to to life. In fact, it talks a lot about different ways that people respond to difficulties and those struggles in, in life. And so... If you study the, the children of Israel, the, the people of Israel, if you look at their history, they were in slavery at one point. They groaned. They, they cried out to God. They asked God to, to help them. And it, Scripture says this. God's speaking here. Now, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians hold in slavery And I've remembered my promise. He's talking about the promise to deliver them to the promised land. That is the practice of groaning. And it's an important practice. In fact, you find it throughout scripture. The the psalmist says in in Psalms 31, says, my life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, my bones grow weary. The the psalmist is he writes that it is worn out, has fatigue from, from groaning about life. You look at the book of the Lamentations, which is really a book dedicated to the cries of, of God's people. And it says, Arise. Cry out in the night as the watch of the night begins. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. That's groaning. The same word is used there. It's just translated different here. We are to come to God. And sometimes we're to groan. We're to cry out. Some of you would say, yeah, I've gone through some stuff right now. And I need to groan to God. It's a command from God. In fact, sometimes life demands it from us. But there's another G word in the Old Testament that you find, and it is different than groaning, and it's grumbling. And we get these confused sometimes. The fact is, people grumble in life. Again, we find the children of Israel, now we find them Grumbling about stuff. Deuteronomy, uh, the first chapter, it says, you're grumbling in your tents. Remember that little phrase there? It said, the Lord hates us, so he's brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. See, they're grumbling, grumbling in their tents, you know, the, the psalmist would repeat that same phrase later in Psalms 10, 106. It says, they grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. Those are two instances of the same thing. The grumbling is not obeying the Lord. The grumbling in, in the Old Testament and throughout Scripture, it's uh, forbidden. We're not to be about it. Uh, Paul, he's going to issue a very similar warning when he says this to the church in Philippi. says, do everything without what? Grumbling. Everything? Yeah, everything without grumbling or arguing. You know, it makes me want to ask, do you ever Grumble. Now, I know as I say that, for some you are going, yeah, but it's trivial. You know, it's not not a big deal. Well, I tell you, you're wrong. Paul instructs the church in Corinth, and he instructs us to, to avoid the sins that the Israelites dealt with when they were out in the wilderness. In fact, if you read the chapter, Paul talks about the sin of idolatry and sexual immorality. He talks about de- defying God. And then he adds that that scripture. It says, do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. And I read that and I go, that is scary stuff there. But you've got two words, groaning and grumbling. Groaning is encouraged in scripture. Grumbling is prohibited. So what's the difference? Well, groaning is something that we do before God. It's something we say to God. Groaning, we we pour out our hearts to God. Grumbling is something I do behind God's back, so to speak. You know, the place that the Israelites would grumble was in their tents. When they were gathered with other people. You know, that's where they grumbled. They could grumble to one another. And it was a place where they could exaggerate what they were not happy about. And so it became very, very destructive, this whole thing of grumbling. People of Israel had a problem with grumbling. You know, and here's what I want to do this morning is get you to do a little assessment as we're walking through this. Because one of the things that I truly desire for faith fellowship is that we be known for gratitude. I want us to be liberated, to get out of that prison cell of complaining and experience what I believe is a very powerful thing, and that's thankfulness thankfulness you know God took Israel and they were enslaved in Egypt and he delivers them in this miraculous way and you just kind of if you remember the story God calls Moses raises him up he sends the ten plagues and finally Pharaoh agrees to let the the children of Israel go then God saves them again when they got to the sea, he saves them from Pharaoh's army by parting the sea and then allowing it to fold back in on. First recorded hymn in scriptures in praise of what God had done, those things. So when I read this story, I think you would think they would be grateful their entire lives. Well, not so much. A few days later, notice a few days, not weeks or years, a few days later, they're in the wilderness and they're grumbling. We don't have anything to drink. We're going to thirst to death out here. We're going to die. And God miraculously delivers water to them. So they're free. They've got water. You would think, that they would be very grateful. Not so much. In fact, Scripture says in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. It's implied they're grumbling about God. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, back when we were slaves. There, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Hmm. God hears the grumbles again, and God provides bread from heaven, manna, it was called. You would think that the Israelites would have been grateful. Not so much. See, they have their freedom. They got water. They got bread. But they're still grumbling. And I will tell you, grumbling can become a pattern. It can become a pattern in your life and mine. They say, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. You get a glimpse here of why God gets so serious about this thing called grumbling. Because it will steal your joy and it will erode your soul, ultimately. Grumbling, it's contagious. Em- emotions are contagious. In fact, I believe it's one of the most contagious things on this planet. I was reading a study recently, a very simple study, but they they had two people come in, sit in a room, face each other. Five minutes. Just look at each other. No talking. Just look. Didn't say a word. They did this with thousands of people. Two people walk in a room, face each other, five minutes, no words, walk out. And what they found was that if one of the persons was depressed, the other person would leave the room feeling more depressed when when they left. Think about that. Just sitting in a room looking at one another, all of a sudden that negativity will spill. It, It will bring you down. All right, so now that you know that, how many of you would like to change seats right now? (laughs) Grumbling. See, grumbling doesn't seek to deal with the situation. It doesn't ask, what can I do? Grumbling is just grumbling. Grumbling is toxic. Grumbling will destroy marriages, families, offices, governments, even churches. Grumbling is destructive, and it distorts your perspective, doesn't it? The Israelites are are grumbling. Oh, we don't have meat. There's nothing to eat out here. It's just terrible. Oh, remember when the fish were free back in Egypt? And I'm reading that and I go, what? You were slaves. It wasn't free. It was distorted. Grumbling distorts things. It distorts the good things in life. Grumbling will zero in on the difficulty and exaggerate the problem. You know, when we groan, we do that in the presence of God. It's God-centered. You do it when you're in difficult times. When you have deep pain or profound sorrow. We groan before God, and in that moment, we are aware of our sins. You know, most of the the psalms, they're expressions of complaint, sorrow, lamenting, confession. It's God-centered. We understand our sins. We understand our shortcomings. We understand our need for God. We understand who we are in this relationship grumbling on the other hand self-centered it's about me it's about my wants my desires my successes if you read the the entire chapter uh, chapter 11 in the book of numbers the israelites they're complaining it got so bad they're complaining about god and it kind of hits this point and God, it says, his anger was aroused. And fire consumes the outskirts of the camp. Think about that. They're complaining. God goes, What is wrong with them? See, complaining, where it becomes grumbling. It offends God's heart. So the Israelites are are complaining and they're grumbling about God. Moses has a has a meltdown at this point. He starts complaining about these whiny people that God's made him in charge of. And kind of here's the, the highlights, you'll have to read it on, on your own, but he ends up going to God, he goes, why, why are you treating your servant like this? This is, this is crazy. I mean, did I give birth to these people? I didn't. Oh, why why I have to be responsible for them? They want water. They want meat. They want this. They want that. They're complaining. I can't do this all by myself, God. God, if this is how you're going to treat me, I'm done. I'm out of here. In fact, God, just, just take my life and get it over with really beautiful rant very spiritual I mean I read it and I think wow it's right in scripture it's some serious complaining and it's humorous at points but basically saying God you're not doing a very good job with this I mean his, his rants well they're ridiculous at points to be honest but Moses did one thing right He complained to God. This was between him and God. And so he he lets it, lets it fly. You know, the language is kind of edgy, honestly. It's a mixture of complaining and groaning. And he kind of jumps back and forth and then he throws in a few ridiculous things along the way. It wasn't polite. But it tells me volumes. Because it tells me that Moses had the kind of relationship that was close and personal that he felt okay having it with God. And in fact, I would tell you if you find that your prayer life is a little bit dull, a little superficial, it might mean you need to work a little harder at having a more genuine relationship with God. See, God can work with groaning. <coughs> But God wants us to go through life without grumbling. The Israelites, they didn't stop grumbling. In fact, we find out by chapter 14 that they are barred. An entire generation gets barred from going into the promised land. Except for Joshua and Caleb. They were the exceptions. God wanted to bless those Israelites, but God didn't. That thing that they had hoped for. That thing that they had wanted their entire life. It was the talk of every Israelite. We want to go to the promised land, the one that God has promised us. And because of all the grumbling, God says, Not you. You will not go. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if there are things that God wants to bless you with, things that God wants to do in your life, but he doesn't do it because you're grown on. You know, this is a beautiful life God's given us. But I think oftentimes the beauty gets hidden, gets covered up, gets held back. Because we grumble. And at some point you gotta say, I'm not gonna grumble anymore. Now don't misunderstand me, I'm not suggesting that you take the negativity or the struggle or the resentment or the frustration or whatever it is and bury it down deep inside and then pretend. That everything's okay. Oh yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's not how God wants us to live our lives. That's not God's will for your life and mine that we pretend joy. You know, you can't pretend it anyway. God's will is that we learn to live every day, every moment, as though it's a gift from God, because it is. You know live every moment and being able to say I noticed that guy thanks God. you've been blessed even if you don't feel like it right now you have been blessed and so have I so so how do we have that attitude of gratitude in our lives well the, the first thing you have to do is actually express your gratitude Whether or not you're experiencing it emotionally, you know, and feel like it, you need to express it. I remember several years ago, I was with a lady and uh, she had cancer and she was dying. And she was fragile and, and honestly worn out. Humanly speaking, there was no hope for her. And she knew that. And I remember asking her, I said, how are you doing? And she goes, I'm okay. I've had a great life. I've got family and friends around me that love me. And I'm grateful. And then she began kind of a litany of things. And for quite a while, she goes, You know, I'm thankful for this and this. I was thankful for this. And friends, some of those blows you away at some point. I never saw her after that, she passed away. But I will never, ever, ever forget that. And I think I wanna grow and have that kind of gratitude in my life. You know, it's, it's a beautiful perspective and it results in a beautiful attitude and ultimately it results in a beautiful life. The psalmist says, Some of you, you learned this when you were young. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Make a joyful noise to God. Make a joyful noise. It's an odd phrase, isn't it? Joyful noise. Nothing particular. Just a noise. Even I can do that, you know? And what's interesting, it doesn't say, have a joyful feeling. It says, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. And I have said this time and time again. It is easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. Did you hear that? Easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Interesting, the the voice translation of this scripture says, raise your voice, make a beautiful noise. You go, oh, well, that's supposed to be free. No, it's not about the quality of the noise. It's about the heart that makes the noise. You know, it's entering into the presence of God with with that kind of joy. The the noise that we make, it's kind of like a password. God. You know, we sing it, we shout it, we scream it or whatever. I mean, I've got all kinds of passwords. It gives me access to things in my life. I've got my computer, I've got a password, my phone, I've got a password, my email, I've got a password. All these accounts, password, password, password. A while back, I uh, was trying to get into one of my accounts and I couldn't remember the password. And so I kept trying things that I've used and finally it locked me out and then I was grumbling (laughs) at that point. The password into the presence of God, the password into the beautiful life, that password to a positive attitude is, thank you, God. Thank you, God. In fact, if we were to start our day it would change the way we live our day. I woke up this morning. It wasn't an accident. I'm alive, thank you, God. Thank you. I woke up in a a warm house. Thank you, God. I have clothes to put on. You're thinking, thank God. (laughs) Right? I have food on my table. Thank you. You know, some people don't have those things in this world. This is a beautiful planet, if you haven't noticed. The sunrises and the sunsets and the trees and the wildlife. I have a family and I have a wife and I have kids and grandkids. I got a mom and dad and a brother. I'm part of a great church. I'm a child of God. You know, it it is amazing what God has done in my life. Jesus Christ changed my life. My sins have been forgiven. My my eternity's been secured. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Make a joyful noise. Make a beautiful noise. In fact, just make any noise. And thank God. Celebrate. In fact, this afternoon, we celebrate crazy things some of you will be watching TV this afternoon and you're going to celebrate a touchdown. You know, we celebrate when we can put a ball through the hoop or someone takes a stick and they can hit a ball out of a stadium. And we jump up and down and we celebrate and we dance and, band, and, we're, and we get excited. <laughs> but the God of this universe that gives us breath, that loves us, that sustains us, that blesses us. Friends, we should celebrate and say, Yes, God. Thank you, God. Amazing, God. And I want to challenge you. You know, when you get up in the morning tomorrow, start your day and find five things to be thankful for. Five things. These can be simple things. It just doesn't have to be complex, you know. Thank you for solving the, the crisis between two countries and a war. It doesn't have to be big. It can be simple. The, the other morning, I, I looked out and a woodpecker was out at, at the feeder. Hadn't, hadn't seen it for a while. And I was just like, thanks, God. It's such a cool bird. You know? I had a conversation with one of my grandsons. And when we got done, I remember walking away and going, thanks, God, for that opportunity. What a great opportunity. Cup of coffee. Thanks, this tastes pretty good. It's a password into the presence of God. It's a password into a beautiful day. And friends, when you have enough beautiful days, you string them up. Guess what? You get a beautiful life. You know, it's about connecting the dots. Being aware of God's presence. Being aware that God is active and God is working and God is blessing. You know, we live in this culture. Culture says grumble. Culture says complain. And I will tell you, you will not find God in the grumbling. You only find God in the gratitude. Now, let me shift for a moment. I know that some of you today are hurting. If you're not hurting, thank God for that. But I'll let you know, pain, suffering, and hurting part of life. So we all go through it. At some point it's coming. But if you're hurting... Groan. Take it to God. Say what you need to say to God. You know, there's a scripture, it's all about groaning. In fact, it's a deep groaning, eh? and it goes to the core of the whole thing. Paul Paul says this. We know that the whole creation groans and travails and pain together until now. This planet is broken. It's polluted. It's groaning. Creation's groaning. Groaning is what you do when there are no words to express the pain or the frustration that you're going through. You know, we want to protect people that we love, but we can't. We want to avoid disappointments in life, but we can't. We want to skip the pain and the hurts but we can and so we groan and we groan before God and that groaning it goes deeper I mean so creation, creation's groaning things are not the way that it was created to be, there's a sickness in this world and there's pain and there's suffering and there's death and The fact is, it's all messed up. And so we groan, creation groans, but Paul goes on. He says, not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the spirit, groan within ourselves with eagerly awaiting the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. And so I know people mistakenly believe that if you're a Christian if you're a child of God that you won't have hurt and pain and suffering and stuff and that, that's not true even as a follower of Jesus Christ there will be times of groaning where you're hurt there just aren't the words a few verses later Paul, Paul's getting to the heart he's getting to the heart of this and so he says says this likewise The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. See, there are no words we can put to it. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You can study that later, but... Here's the picture. Creation, it's groaning because this world's broken. Creation's groaning. People groan. Christians are groaning. God's Holy Spirit starts groaning. And ultimately, our God, the creator, the sustainer, and deliverer of this world that holds everything in place, God groans for you and I. God cares about you that much that he starts groaning for the situation that you're going through. And friends, that's why I can give thanks. Because God's noticing. God's aware. God can see what's happening. God knows about the pain. He knows the level of hurt. He knows the disappointment. And so as God zeroes in on that, God groans and God is working and God is... Working behind the scenes. We can't see it from beginning to end, but he is. And friends, that makes me want to give thanks. And it means I've got to trust that he's actually gonna do something with it. See, gratitude. It leads to beautiful. It does. Now, here's the deal. Some of you are hurting today. Some of you are disappointed. Some of you are frustrated. Some of you are angry. Some of you are hurt. Whatever, you fill it in. But think of that thing that right now you think, oh, this is awful. And you give it to God. You groan before God, not grumble. Not grumble there by us. You give it to God. And here's what I promise you. It's in Scripture. God will do something beautiful. it. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying life will be easy. And I'm not saying that you go, oh boy, I'm glad that happened. No, but God will use it for something beautiful. It all starts with thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Find the things you can be thankful for. Here's the other thing. It's not just because it's Thanksgiving, but try it over the next week. First thing in the morning, find five things and thank God for them and see if your day doesn't go a little smoother. You're a little more up on it. It breathes life into you. Let's bow the word prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you today. And God, you have blessed. You have blessed. And God, I am aware there are those today that are hurting, that are disappointed, that are frustrated, and whatever. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would whisper and go, I see that. I know what's going on. I'm here. That they could just uh, give that to you today. Knowing that you will do something, that you're you've been doing something. That they could find the beauty. The beauty in life. Beauty in their soul. God, thank you. You're God that cares. God, I pray that we would just make joyful noise before you. Any noise it says, I thank you. Thank you, God. God, we lay all these things at your feet. We thank you for so many things that we just sometimes fail to say. God, we look forward to the day you take those Things that right now are weighing us down bring a lot of hurt. We look forward to seeing what beauty you'll bring out of that. We just give you the glory the praise this day and every day. God's people said. You just remain seated and let us uh, a song to minister to you as we prepare for communion today.